Billy Culver. Bad Billy Culver. He was back, twice as handsome and three times as charming, driving an expensive foreign import, which, someone in Tulane's said, he'd probably rented for the day just to show off. Somebody else hooted that idea down. Didn't they read the papers? Billy Culver was filthy rich, and as far as anybody knew, had gotten that way legally. Billy didn't go into Tulane's, which was surprising. He'd been thrown out of the bar on more than one occasion, but he never tired of trying to convince the bartender that he was over 21, when everybody in Oakmount Village knew he was nothing of the sort. It was a game to him. But then, most things were a game to Billy Culver. Maybe that explained why, now that he was definitely of age and then some, Billy didn't go into Tulane's. There wouldn't have been any sport in it. What he did do was go to the Oakmount Village Public Library, where he leaned negligently on the counter, bent over and said softly, Myrtle. Oh, Myrtle, darling. His sing-song voice brought Miss Quayle spinning around in her swivel chair, indignation brightening her normally paste-pale cheeks. She gaped at him for a moment, then stood quickly, not smiling. Not quite. Billy Culver. To you, it's Miss Quayle. And what, might I ask, are you doing here? The crisp tone was completely at odds with the momentary softening of her eyes. He handed her a book he'd had tucked under his arm. Returning this, it's a bit overdue. Miss Quayle took it, opened it, and blinked. Yes, she said, 17 years overdue. She squinted at the date again, her mouth tightening. Thank you, Billy. Her tone was dry. I'm happy to have it back. She turned away, marching, stiff-spined, back to her desk behind the counter, dismissing him. What about the fine? There was laughter in Billy's voice. She glared at him. The book was written off many years ago. I'll simply treat it as a new acquisition, a donation. Once more, she dismissed him by turning away and taking a huge ledger from a shelf over her desk and opening it across her blotter. I can afford the fine, he said. But Miss Quayle merely addressed herself to the task at hand and wrote up the new acquisition. What in the world had Billy Culver been doing with a volume of W.B. Yeats's poetry when he was only twenty? She considered asking him, She knew he hadn't left, knew, without having to look, that he was still leaning on the counter, grinning that cheeky grin of his, that his black curls were tumbled over his broad, intelligent brow, and she knew that she would find herself softening toward him again if she turned. She turned. What are you doing here? she asked again. Visiting my favorite lady, he said leaving the counter and sauntering in behind it to sit on the edge of her desk. Perched there, Billy looked into her eyes with the directness she'd always liked in him and smiled that old knock-em-dead smile that had gotten him out of trouble all his life. It's good to see you still here, Miss Quayle, he said.
and she heard the ring of sincerity in his deep voice. I was kind of hoping you'd welcome me back. With a sigh, she patted his hand where it lay on his hitched-up knee. All right, Billy. It's good to see you, too. But I'm one of the few who will say that. You don't have much of a reputation in this town. You're not staying long, are you? She thought of poor little Arlene Lambert and hoped that Billy would do whatever he'd come to do, surely it was more than just returning an overdue library book, and go away again. A week, maybe. It depends, said Billy, noncommittally. I just got here. Are you trying to get rid of me so soon? Miss Quayle didn't respond to that. She glanced out the window and gave his cream BMW an austere look.